Weird times, creepy crimes, and unexplained phenomenon. If it's weird and it's in Florida, it's on the SoFlo Weird Show. Here's your host and head weirdo, Mia Lorenzo. Welcome, weirdos. Thank you for joining me. As the world gets weary and our senses are heightened on our natural surroundings, you know it's no wonder we look to the skies. But what do we see? Mysterious lights? Strange objects? Unusual flying patterns with absolutely no sound? What could this be? Are we not alone? Was Gene Roddenberry foretelling the future when he created Star Trek? Some consider South Florida as America's last frontier with its murky swamplands once deemed uninhabitable. Could space truly be the final frontier? What's out there? On today's show, we're going to seek out eyewitness accounts of UFO sightings right here in Central Florida. I spoke with Michelle McArdle and Mike Regan, who claimed to see something very unusual in the sky, and I asked them to explain. Mike and I went outside because it was 4th of July, so we wanted to see some of the fireworks, pretty pretty normal. And we went to the end of the street because there's lots of trees um, off of uh, Mike's street there, so to see above the tree line. Um, we went out to the end of the road, and I looked over to the left, and I saw a light in the sky. Now, this was not a firework because a firework would rise up quickly, it would light up, and then it would dissipate after that. It remained, and I know Mike um, thought maybe it might have been like an, like an ember or something that caught on fire, so we kind of followed it. Mike, what did you, what did you think of it? Yeah, we walked up to the corner to watch the fireworks. We happened to look south from uh, one of the street corners, and one neighbor that seemed to be about three blocks south from where we were, he was going pretty hard with the fireworks, and uh, it, he kind of had like a finale going on because it was like a huge eruption of fireworks all at once. The remaining end of it kind of all cascaded and showered down. This one remained that was up above the tree line and it definitely caught your eye because in with the mix of them, you saw everything, you know, white sparkles coming down. And this one that was a reddish orange. The only way to describe it is it looked like I thought dead on that one of these big firework mortars had gone up and maybe a piece of the, the mortar tube went up with the actual firework. And my initial reaction, I was like, hey, look, that piece is like still on fire. Yeah, you, and, you wanted to follow it because you thought that it it might have been something on fire and you didn't want it to fall yeah, and this, like catch fire. This thing was glowing like orange reddish. But it wasn't falling, was it? No. No, it, it, be, it began to move. And so that's in what, what... In what direction? It began to move east towards the ocean and... The thing is, we we followed it for a while, and we didn't think that it would be a plane because typically planes have to have like navigation lights that blink, that flicker. So we thought, well, maybe maybe it's a drone, but drones also have to have some sort of navigation light on them. Um, and this was a very consistent light, and it moved very fast, very far. We live um, along the Halifax River. So there's a mainland, a river, and then there's a bridge with um, a little like uh, inlet of land, and then there's the ocean on the other side. So it moved east, like almost all the way to the river, and we're, we're a couple blocks inland from the river. 
and then it shot north like very rapid fire at first it was just floating hovering around this area and then it went really fast what was your take on that mike well from from the time we first saw it give it a few seconds to where it was low enough at that firework level but still above the tree line to where i thought for sure still a burning piece of firework but it wasn't like it definitely did not have like a floating on the wind type pattern to it it was a very linear absolutely the, on, the only way i could describe it this was like smooth as ice like if you slid an ice cube across like a tile floor there was no staggering no jolt and like no swinging because this thing it moved probably like north northeast so it was coming in our general direction staying perfectly hovered above the treetops um, and that's when we really started following and I asked her to videotape it because it was actually coming towards my house uh, and coming to get you Mike and my street <laughs> and I still had it in my head that this thing was like a burning firework. So I was like, hey, can you videotape this? Because if this thing literally lands, it was glowing so so much and so bright, fiery orange, where I was like, if this thing either lands in someone's tree in their front yard or mm -hmm. on their roof, it is going to catch it fire. Yeah. Um, I would like to make a point when I was videotaping it, which by the way, you can get the videotape if you go on the SoFlow Weird Facebook page. I did post it there so you guys can see for your own reference what you think it might be. But I was videotaping it and it, I think it's important to note because of the videotape, we could tell what time and then the the length of time it took to get from from where we were to the river was a lot easier to narrow down because I had videotaped it. And I stopped about midway through the flight once it started um, going fairly quickly because it kind of dipped up into the clouds a little bit and I lost visibility and I thought there was no point in videotaping after that. I believe maybe like 9, 10-ish, I started um, videotaping it. And I think by, uh, I think by um, 9, 14 maybe it stopped because I remember specifically when I stopped filming or, or actually when we stopped seeing it Mike turned to me immediately and goes what time is it because I, I think you did that so that you could look up some flight records see if there was a plane flying by and, and at how, that time how long was this you know from the time you saw it till you see it drifting like probably a four minute experience okay, okay. I was like hey come on let's let's go let's follow this thing and we made our way from the corner where the stop sign was heading back towards my house in the middle of the street and it got to a point where this thing was directly over my street still a, about three houses west of my house and i looked back at michelle and i asked if she was still videoing and she had said no she stopped and i said well i want to get underneath this thing to actually identify what the heck it was or try to hear anything okay first of all i know you said there were fireworks going on and of course all the fourth of july activities were canceled so was there anybody else out on the street in your neighborhood or it's no. really just you two guys okay and and you're looking at this with your naked eye it's not like anybody ran yeah. and got binoculars and they no. were looking or anything like that you were telling me about i think you showed the video to your friend who owns the drone and you wanted to get yeah. his take on it like did he feel that it was definitely was not a drone 
after viewing that, his reaction to it, whatever this was, if it was a drone, it's nothing that's available to the general public. And he knew about, uh, there were things going around about drones that were showing like social distancing and stuff like that. And that you could kind of rule out because A, we're in a neighborhood. It was almost 9.30 at night. It was kind of right. quiet. There was no gatherings. It's people launching fireworks around. So there's the necessity for something like that is is basically nil. So my buddy also commented that any type of drone has to have FAA regulated non-collision lights. This had no lights. In the video, you could see a little bit of a flicker, but you can tell it's the phone camera itself adjusting in the video. Mm -hmm. You see it fuzz out and then sharpen back up. It's not a flash, there's no flash. It stayed a red orange glow the entire time consistent. And uh, I ran maybe 20 yards where visually I figured I was getting closer to it. And then I kind of stopped and looked and then I looked back at Michelle and realized I'm not getting any closer to it. Um, where this thing was certainly over my street as I tried to basically chase it down. And this thing banked due east with a little bit of elevation and within, I would say, less than six seconds had made its way out towards the beach side and vanished. Can, can I just um, interject here to say that um, another thing that when we were trying to look up what this was afterwards, um, we read a lot of anything really in the air that flies needs permission. Yes, to fly. I mean, personal drones, you know, you're doing your own thing, that's fine. But I find it hard to believe that you would have been allowed to fly a drone at night on 4th of July with so much low visibility during all of these fireworks. It just, it seemed Im improbable to me that somebody would have gotten that level of permissions. And um, another thing is a lot of people may or may not know this a lot of our listeners may or may not know this but i work at the museum of arts and sciences and so we have a curator of astronomy so he knows all things sky mm -hmm. um and i asked a couple of people that work in the planetarium and i asked um seth mayo our curator of astronomy and he um he mentioned he thought it might be a satellite now, Mike is saying that he thinks it was low enough, and I I can concur that um, it, it was low enough to where we were worried about it touching somebody's house when right. we thought it was an ember. Right. Um, and then I had another another planetarium guy go, well, maybe it's a weather balloon, but the way that it flew and the, and the speed at which it flew were like a balloon kind of floats. The Chinese lantern theory. A couple people brought up. A couple people thought it was a Chinese lantern, and I was like, there's no way it was a Chinese it, yeah. lantern because it was – by the time it got to be where the river was, it would have been far away enough to where I would think a lantern, we would probably lose visibility. And also, again, the speed at which it flew – I, I would say that it flew. Um, so it's definitely motorized, something motorized. And the fact that you yeah. didn't hear anything, obviously even a plane, everybody can hear. Yeah, but you heard I've, nothing but, you know, cicadas. I've I've walked my dogs down towards the bridge and I've seen some people taking pictures with drones by the bridge. Even at night, I was surprised and I actually caught it in the sky one time and it was had the strobing lights. Um, and it was a guy, he was standing in the parking lot, even in the dark. And you could definitely hear the high speed whirring. And that's something that... Yeah, um, yeah drones make a lot of noise. My buddy that yeah. does the, the music videos, he also mentioned, he's like, yeah, you can definitely not hear any sound from this. But then he 
he definitely commented you can physically see the motion in the video and even though it's dark obviously this thing is lit it has some type of glowing light but there's no herky-jerky motion to it when you see any type of directional movement where if a drone when it changes direction there is a slight shift or a hinge in motion and this thing was absolutely smooth and then we run all the time so i know the approximate distance pretty much even from the middle of my street you're talking uh it's half a mile for the bridge and then to get from the bridge to the actual ocean probably another solid almost half a mile so you're, you're talking approximately three quarters to a full mile it moved like i'm saying you're talking four to seven seconds my first intuition when it basically just vanished it took off out of nowhere was the only relative way I could describe it was uh, seeing a plane at takeoff speed. So after this happens, then you go and you try to figure out if there were other sightings? Um, well, Mike went bananas. He grabbed his phone and he immediately went on the MUFON page. Mm -hmm. MUFON is Mutual UFO Network. Mutual UFO Network page. Um, and he posted the video and... I, I wouldn't say that MUFON necessarily gave us more information or kept us more informed about it. Really, I consider the MUFON experience to be more of a networking experience where Mike realized that a bunch of people were seeing the same light. Mm -hmm. They all had similar videos to ours. And actually, there's a spike in sightings during the 4th of July, mostly because people are outside looking up looking up exactly exactly i i consider it to be more of a networking thing than an actual like they're helping us well it's also know. like a database it's a great place to go to report it so that you can make comparisons so as soon as i got back inside i was like tell me you have that video because that was incredible and then i brought up we live relatively close to an airport so i immediately had a page up where there are elevation regulations. So even us by the river, it drops from beachside from a 400 foot to a 200 foot to a 100 foot elevation to zero, which is in main proximity to the airport as far as elevation of which you can fly things. And then I also brought up um, air traffic control. I, I myself knew it was not a plane, but just to have a more sound mind. Um, right. I actually found one private jet that was on concourse to fly to Charlotte that was already off of our coast, but it was past Georgia. And from the time I walked from the street and we came inside and I sat down and had that page up, you're talking 10 minutes and I know a plane is not gonna make that to Georgia in 10 minutes, there's no way. But there were no other actual aircraft that, you know, a manned flight um, in the area on that, yeah. on that time. And in your video though, watching the video, um, it, to me, it looked like a white light, but he, you, you guys keep describing this orange ball or this it's bright a reddish, glow. It's a reddish orange. Like when you light a candle mm -hmm. and you see that reddish orange, yeah. that's the exact same color and, and yeah. light. Unfortunately with a, with a, a, a cell phone video, you don't get exactly what you got to the naked eye. And the movements and the cell phone video does not capture the movements well. The cell phone video really does. I understand why people thought it was a balloon or something because it really does 
look like it's floating around and it does kind of hover at first but what you don't catch on the video which is what mike and i saw personally which was the actual flight that was very rapid mm -hmm. so. exactly so interesting did you say someone from mufon called you back or you spoke with somebody yes we got the link for mufon i won't say you have to like create any login or anything for that page but if you can make a full report it was really neat because it was much more in-depth of a questionnaire type report page to fill out and it got very specific as to uh, the type of lights on the object, object you saw. Was it a single glowing light? Uh, the drop down list was like, was it blue? Was it orange? Was it glowing? Was it pulsing? Did Holy it have cow. an iridescent movement to it? It was actually really neat. But then once you fill out the questionnaire and uh, it has an option to submit the video, which of course I uploaded the video to. And then once you do that, it sends you a confirmation email. It also asked if uh, it was okay if you were contacted by a MUFON agent. And uh, I did all that. And then um, once I, I finished doing that and I kind of was just nosing around on their website, it brings up a type of Google Maps and you can uh, scroll around. So I, I kind of moved around to like the East Coast, Eastern Seaboard from Florida on up. And it, there's little icons that vary um, from a black triangular shape to a little uh, extraterrestrial being head. <laughs> and then uh, some are just a flying saucer. And if you kind of hover over each icon, it, op it automatically pops up a brief report. And right off the bat, I, I was surprised to see actually how many reports were made directly in our area here in Ormond oh, Beach. Wow, yeah. It's a great website to look through. I believe the next day I got an email from a, a gentleman who said he had been assigned to that uh, report case. We had a pretty quick conversation, maybe about 10 minutes. Um, and he more or less wanted uh, for me to just fully explain to him everything that happened. And he himself said that what they do actually, like they investigate, but his word for word take was MUFON. If you look on their website, that is their artistry. He's like, we, we crunch data, we take reports. And then what you see on that map when you can bring up all of these reports and incidents, he, he literally said, that's the artistry of what MUFON is and why we're here. He goes, it's a, it's a network. We create the network for what these things that occur and happen. But it almost seems like you guys did a bulk of the research on your own, like flight patterns and certain yeah, things. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think if anything, that being on that website just kind of helped us realize that other people have seen kind of the same thing that we have. Can I also just add, mm -hmm. Mike hates filling out questionnaires and paperwork <laughs> like when we got the the fire stick or whatever and he had yeah. to put in his email and oh, password yeah. and all that <laughs> oh my god it was like it was like ruined his day oh, it was, it was like he dropped his ice cream cone on the ground yeah, so the fact that teeth. he was able to sit there and fill out this long questionnaire yeah. just tells you how stoked he was that he saw this or how excited yeah. he was about it because he hates doing that stuff so what's What's your takeaway from this? Like, what do you believe? I'm into UFOs and extraterrestrials. And even if you want to get into like supernatural stuff, 
I enjoy it, but I'm also very skeptical and a see it to believe it type person. And you saw something. And, and this <laughs> was so, I guess you could say, in your face, where as much of a skeptic I am, where if I went on a ghost tour or something, everyone would hate me because I would be the one to ruin everything. <laughs> this was so blatant and in your face as a purely unidentified flying object that it's undeniable so it definitely had me getting out my pickaxe and, and digging deeper into the, <laughs> the entire thing so michelle what did you you know what was your takeaway from this i consider myself an open-minded skeptic i think that because so many people were seeing it it is it is valid because there's a lot that i don't know i don't know that much about you know aeronautics or, or flights or any sort of flying objects but the fact that there's such a database like mike was saying of these people that um, don't know what this is kind of speaks a lot to its validity as far as um you know like whether aliens exist or mm -hmm. you know all that um I mean, I'd, I'd like to keep an open mind about it. In in some senses, it seems far-fetched, but in other senses, it, it really doesn't. Like, why would we be the anomaly? But yet, you know, Seth raised the question to us the other day, if the universe is so vast, the chances of us running into somebody else are just, like, so astronomical. Right. I agree with Mike. It's one of those things where you'd have to see it to really believe it yeah. you know and that's that's kind of how i feel about this if it had landed and like a little green guy came out and was like we come in peace like <laughs> i probably <laughs> i probably would be like okay yeah this is this is pretty solid but um you know like mike said there is some validity to it because so many people have seen this yeah okay well thank you guys for sharing your experience we will put a link to MUFON on the website because there is a Florida uh, chapter of MUFON. MUFON is everywhere, by the way, and, and there are several chapters out there, but we will give you the local one. So thank you, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. That was Michelle McArdle and Mike Regan talking about the recent close encounter with a UFO in Ormond Beach, Florida. Are you a believer yet? You can check out their video on our website at SoFlowWeird.com. Next, we go from Ormond Beach to Cocoa Beach, where I talked with Jack Proctor, who experienced a different kind of unidentified flying object several years ago. It was in January 2009, early afternoon, probably about 1 o'clock. I was working in my backyard in uh, Carlton Terrace, Cocoa, Florida. When I looked up and saw four shiny oval discs in a rectangle formation traveling north. The sky was very clear that day, and these objects seemed to be at an altitude where the commercial aircraft fly, but these objects did not leave any contrails and appeared not to be traveling very fast. Now this okay. may have been because they were so high, they didn't seem like they were going fast, like a lot of things I have read where they say they, they saw a UFO and it just zipped by. These did not travel fast. Uh, I went to the house and told Monica, my wife, to get my binoculars. I kept looking up and then saw three more discs behind the four in a line formation from like east to west. And two more were trailing behind the three, which made a total of nine. <gasps> oh my gosh. When Monica came out with my binoculars, I noticed my neighbors were walking by and I called their attention to the objects. Looking at the objects with plain eyesight, they looked like just shiny oval discs, 
but when observed through the 7x50 binoculars, the underside of the disc revealed beautiful flowing colors. Oh, cool. The trailing two seemed like the lead one slowed down, and the last one appeared to bump or touch the other one, and both of these turned a very bright, beautiful blue color. And your neighbors saw this too? Oh, yes. Everybody yeah. saw this. And you're looking at the same thing. It's Yes. We're right. At that time, there was four of us, me, Monica, and the, two, the neighbor and his wife. Mm-hmm. And um, so I handed the binoculars over to my neighbor, and he was laying on his back in my driveway looking <laughs> up at, uh, <laughs> and also observed the beautiful colors that could only be seen through the binoculars. <gasps> okay. And he replied, I remember he, he's saying that we are not alone in this universe. <laughs> No, we're not. And we watched them for about 10 minutes. 10 minutes? 10 minutes. They were, like I say, they were not moving. They did appear not to be moving fast. So a few days later, I told Charlie Carlson what I had seen, and he set up a podcast with one of the UFO enthusiasts. Oh, okay. Yeah. uh, Along with another person, I believe from Orlando, who had observed some of the same objects that we saw. At the same time. Right. Yeah, okay. In the past, I have heard many stories about others viewing similar things, but never gave it much thought. But this event surely gave me a different outlook on something I thought I would never never observe. Mm-hmm. Now, let's preface this for people who may be listening that don't really know where Coco is. Coco is Central Florida, and we do have Kennedy Space Center close by. So there is a lot of, you know, space stuff going Mm -hmm. on, Mm -hmm. but there's no real explanation as to why you would see that type of unidentified flying object in the sky, especially the way it moved and the colors that it gave. But personally, do we know uh, whether there's a lot more sightings maybe in this area than any, anywhere else in Florida? I mean, I was just wondering. I don't know that. I just only reported this one. Okay. And uh, sure, Kennedy Space Center is close by. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and they were traveling, I guess, in that direction, kind of like a northern right. trail. Right. But nothing like, I mean, Kennedy Space Center has rockets and shuttles and right. nothing like oval circles in the sky like that. So that's, made, that's, what, that's pretty bizarre. Yeah. What made this very strange is that, and I thought it was strange, that the, the first ones I saw, there were four and they were in a rectangle formation. Okay. Right. And they were all moving north. Mm-hmm. And then when I walked back up to the house... I looked up again. Then the three were there. Three more appeared in a line from... Like from where? Like just from where? You know uh, yeah, what I mean? Where? <laughs> they, they were like from east to west. Uh-huh. In a line from east to west. And then two more appeared, one behind the other. Yeah, that is so weird. And it looked weird. like the lead one slowed up and the trailing one touched it. And they both turned just a... You'd never see a blue like that. Yeah. And this, there's no way it'd be like an aircraft. You'd, I don't know. crash in mid-flight. No. You can't touch each other. So that's and it, bizarre. And, and it wasn't just you. Did yeah, they the, describe that... Did the yeah, people on the yeah. podcast describe the same formation? I don't think he had binoculars. I don't think he saw... Oh, okay. So he didn't see the colors. I don't... He didn't mention anything about the colors that I can recall. So you've never seen anything else bizarre like that? No, but what I did... Right after that happened, I went out and bought a really nice uh, camera with a with a long, ooh, like a telescopic lens. lens. Yeah. Yes, and I keep that around, but I haven't had to use it yet. See, you know. they know. They know yeah. you have a telescopic lens camera, yeah. and yeah. you know maybe they don't want their identity known. No, who knows? Right. But yeah, very very interesting. Very interesting. Well, thank you for that story. You're quite welcome.
That was Jack Proctor giving us a detailed description of his UFO encounter. Believe it or not, we can all agree something is out there, and it's likely we are not alone. Next, we feature the weirdest sighting in Florida. This is the strange case of UFO Hill, told in the pages of Charlie Carlson's book, Strange Florida 2. Did Florida writer William Moriarty stumble upon a possible government connection to the UFO phenomena? Moriarty amazes me with how he can root out unpublished Florida secrets that most of us would never hear about, which accounts for his large following of readers. The story is a Moriarty exclusive, totally unpublished, well, except for his article that appeared in Nolan's Pop Culture Review, Florida's leading online magazine. Okay, fasten your seatbelt for a trip back to December 1980 to UFO Hill in Gadsden County. It was through a former colleague that William learned about a bank security guard in Pensacola who had experienced a close encounter of the unexplainable kind. The security guard liked to hunt in Gadsden County, southwest of the small hamlet of Wetumpka in the woods along Sadbury Road. Although the rural location contained an overgrown grid of streets left over from an abandoned subdivision project, it was a lucrative hunting area with an abundance of wildlife. After a day of hunting in 1977, the security guard said he headed west down the road to where it circled a small hill to check for signs of wildlife. About 300 yards south of his location, the man was startled by a strange sight, which he described as a metallic disc-shaped object hovering over a hill. He said it was 25 to 30 feet in length and making no sound. The object hovered over the treetops for a few moments, then moved slightly higher before shooting straight up and within seconds became the size of a small star in the evening sky. It then made a 90-degree turn and in a split second zipped across the night sky where it vanished beyond the horizon. The security guard later related his encounter to a few hunting buddies who, as one might expect, scoffed at his story. A few days later, hoping to find some evidence to support his story, the security guard took his buddies out to the hill, and to their surprise, there in front of them was the same metallic disc, or one just like it. To their amazement, the strange object repeated the same performance previously witnessed by the security guard. On following visits to the site, the object was seen on several occasions by the men. The strange craft, or whatever it was, would do a repeat performance at virtually the same exact time of the evening. The security guard, determined to get a better understanding of what was going on, decided one cold night to camp on top of the hill. At first nothing happened, and there was no sign of the object. Then, in the middle of the night, he awoke to a feeling of terror. He recounted how something seemed to be communicating non-verbally with his mind, ordering him to immediately leave the top of the hill. Looking up at the night sky, he saw a pinpoint of light that moved across the sky until it was directly overhead. When it appeared to be descending toward him, he quickly rolled up his sleeping bag and made a mad dash to his pickup. He climbed into the safety of his truck and looked back at the hill where the object was now hovering just like the first time he had seen it. While he watched, the object emitted a blinding pinkish light and then grew smaller until it was just a grapefruit-sized ball of pink light. The hunters also noticed something else strange about the area. 
On each visit, the vegetation seemed altered. Four foot tall saplings would grow to 10 feet in a matter of days and 90 foot tall pines would simply disappear without any sign of removal. The security guard decided to do a little investigating and obtained from the Gadsden County Property Appraiser's Office aerial photographs of the subject area covering a 20-year period which showed unnatural changes to the vegetation and tree canopy. He then talked with some local backwoods folks living near the sighting location who claimed the weird lights in the sky had been going on for so long they just ignored them. When William Moriarty got wind of the story, he decided to investigate it in July 1981 while on a trip to Tallahassee, which is only about 20 miles east of Wetumpka. I seriously doubt there's a square inch of Florida that Moriarty hasn't visited at some time to check out history or trees, or in this case, a UFO claim. It was William Moriarty who dubbed the site UFO Hill in his initial report. Using a hand-drawn map provided by the security guard, and along with two friends, his party had little difficulty in locating the hill, but was stopped from assessing it by a 10-foot electrified fence. The fence, running north to south across the road, had U.S. government emblems on it and an attached metal sign reading, Restricted Area. The government's interest in securing the location may never be known, so we are left perplexed about what witnesses claim was an encounter with something from outer space, something that may still be going on. Since starting this book, I have received at least a half a dozen reports of aerial phenomena from all over the state. Hundreds of others have been logged with the National UFO Reporting Center. These reports have included all shapes and sizes from triangles to rectangles. Maybe the aliens are trying to confuse us with so many shapes. Or perhaps we're being visited by different extraterrestrials, each piloting different vehicles. Perhaps we're dealing with a combination of phenomena and not just visitors from another planet. Maybe some of these sleek contraptions are time machines from the future taking tourists back for a look at the past. Or perhaps they come from another dimension or from inside the Earth as suggested by hollow Earth believers. Or perhaps there's a worldwide mass hallucination that's going on since biblical times which causes some folks to see strange flying objects. Whoa, that would be more bizarre than the UFO phenomena. The truth is out there, someplace, but we can forget about it if it's stashed away in the government's secret files. UFO researchers are up to their necks in evidence, but the question is still begging to be answered. Is there intelligent life on those other planets? Personally, I'm still looking for intelligent life on Earth. Know of a weird place or have a weird tale to tell? Go to SoFloWeird.com. If you want more Strange Florida stories, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit us on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Mia Lorenzo. Thank you for listening to the SoFlo Weird Show. Special thanks to our weird announcer, Joe Johnson, Michelle McArdle for promotion and production assistance, and weird contributor, Kyle Thayer. This has been a Sideshow Charlie production inspired by Florida's master of the weird, Charlie Carlson. Stay weird, everybody. <laughs>